Before we jump into today's conversation, let's take a moment to acknowledge our amazing sponsor, the Academy of Therapy Wisdom. Oh my gosh, we love this platform. They're the place I go now for all my CEUs. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Please join us for our next live online workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, April 3rd through 6th of 2024. This is an experiential, active workshop designed to engage you in brain states that promote relational learning. If you want to get closer, say the things that usually go unspoken and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments. This is the workshop for you. Go to whydoesmypartner.com to learn more and register. Welcome to the Why Doesn't My Partner podcast. I'm Jules. I'm Vicki. And I'm Rebecca. We're your hosts. We're also couples therapists and messy humans bumbling through our own relationships every day. We met through our training and practice of relational life therapy. Between us, we have more than 40 years of experience holding hard relational questions with our clients. We're going to bring those questions here. And together, we're going to take a stab at answering those questions. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. If something you hear in this episode stirs something deep within you about your relationship, reach out to a couples therapist in your area. We also love to hear your questions. So don't forget to go over to whydoesmypartner.com and leave us a question of your own. Here's today's question. Hi, I'm wondering, why doesn't my partner get that we're not actually connecting? Ooh, this one's complex. It is. And, and when I hear this question, one of the first things I'm thinking is I think everybody that's ever been in a relationship has felt this. Oh, totally. And sometimes we're even mm-hmm. feeling it about each other simultaneously, <laughs> yes. which means that I don't know that you know that we're not connected. <laughs> I just think you don't, you think it's fine and you think right. we're connected. But I made that up in my brain because I didn't ask you what you were thinking. So it's totally possible that at this one moment, my sweet husband and I might be thinking, I'm not connected. Why doesn't he get that we're not connected? Only he's thinking, we're not connected. Why doesn't she get that we're not connected? We're not talking about it. Not right there. So it could be that we're not even addressing it would never cross my husband's mind that we're not connected. <laughs> okay. So that's worth paying attention to. <laughs> I'm hearing you talk. I'm like, wow, your husband might actually think that. No, that's my husband. I love him, but it would just, never, it wouldn't occur. It would never occur to him. Okay. And so there we have like lack of observation. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. About the dynamic. Mm-hmm. So that's a good reason why, why is this pot? Is it possible that this is happening? Well, it could be my partner does not observe the dynamics particularly. Right. Mm-hmm. So it might not even occur to them to ask. It may be that they do know it, but I don't know that they know it. <laughs> a lot of lack of communication. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm struck here also thinking that sometimes if, if they know it, but I don't know that they know it. Is it possible that they're hiding a vulnerability from me because they don't want me to know that they know this? Because if I, if I knew, right, like there's so many different layers here and like, what Mm -hmm. are they protecting? What's, what's that guarding? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
And uh, so another thing I'm thinking is just, this is an attachment dynamic thing. So the way connection feels to me might be different than what feels connected to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and part of that has to do with this underlying um, emotional knowings, which are different than thoughts because they're just like factual feelings, but they're not actually fact, but they feel like fact and they feel like true and they feel like it's real as a psychological floor you're walking on. You will not question it. Right. But how is it that we learn what connection feels like? Well, like my kiddo will even say, I want my old mommy back when we are not, Mm. when we're misattuned. So what connection feels like in her system is seen bouncing back and forth. We interrupt each other all the time. We're talking with each other all the time it's messy. And then we get back together and align again. Like that's what connection feels like to her. But sometimes there's a, there's a rhythm to it. There's a rhythm to it. There's a back and forth. There's a, a rhythm between moments of discord and moments of repair and moments of just kind of being with each other. Right. Um, and so what connection feels like to her is probably really different than what connection feels like if you're raised in a different kind of home, right? And so for people who have more of like a preoccupied or anxious style, connection feels like worrying about you and what's going on inside your brain. Or for people who have more of like a dismissive or what's called an avoidance style, they might feel like we're totally connected. We're like sitting here together. What's the deal? Like, why is this not connected? right? So just being like in present space is the connection feeling. Um, Or for people maybe who have more of a disorganized presentation, it's probably so scary to be in contact with someone you're close to that it's really hard to feel connected. And it would be very rare moments where that would happen, where it's like everything calmed down enough inside my own system to like see that you're present. (laughs) Right. Mm. And so, and most of us don't have one. Most of us have like a kind of mishmash of our own special, unique internal implicit map. Yeah. Implicit map really is how I think about it. So like, what do I know about what connection feels like? You, you guys, you were talking about like how you were held as a baby. And we were talking about how you were dealt with when you were two and started reaching for stuff that was going to break. And we're talking about how it felt like when you were five and started going to school and how you were greeted when you came home. Like that's part of it. It's not all of it, but it's a big part of how you how you know how to experience what you would mark as connection. Like. What mm-hmm. you would mark as Art. connection, right? Do I do I categorize this as connection in my head? And so, what we may be dealing with is two people with different attachment styles, where one of them thinks one thing looks like connection, and the other one thinks another thing looks like connection. I'm loving your smile right now. You're. <laughs> Which one of us? Because I think both of us were doing a smile. I was, I, I was looking at Rebecca. Yeah, I was going to say it was either Rebecca. one of either one of yeah. you can answer. Because <laughs> I'm thinking that this this is like it, it's this is like such a huge thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that we didn't know that we have different ways of connecting. Like maybe it's mm-hmm. really that simple. Mm-hmm. We have different ways. It's not even that we have different ways of connecting. We have different ways of decoding what feels like connecting. Right. What we would label as check connection 
right. maybe completely different than my partner. But like, if we, if we go to something else, like the wheel of a car, we're probably all going to name that that's the wheel of a car and not a steering wheel. Totally. Unless right? you grew up on Mars, you probably can tell the difference, even right. though they're both round. Right. Right. But that's not so true. Relationships are a lot more complicated. Than that. A lot right. more complicated than that. And what feels like connection? Like what did your system mark as the feeling of connection? I'm putting my hands in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Maybe completely different than what the guy next to you, much less your partner marked as that. And so it may be that what you experience is that one person is feeling connected in a certain kind of way. And it actually is accurate and is feeling connection. And that's not how you feel connection. So you wouldn't be experiencing that as connection. You wouldn't be marking in that way. And then you'd be super confused about why they're thinking that you're connected when clearly you're not. Hmm. But clearly you are from the other guy's side. Right. And so I'm making up in my head that it's possible that like one partner, it's like we're we're here together. And like our presence is so big. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And the, for the other partner, it might be like, I'm used to needing like the preoccupation with each other is the way that I know that we're connecting. Mm -hmm. And so because I'm here and because you're preoccupied, like we're, we're having a mismatch moment. Right. So if, if maybe if I have that kind of map, I might be waiting for you to ask me a question about what's happening inside my mind, but you don't ask that question because for you, that doesn't equal connection. And then I'm going, why aren't we connected? Right. You didn't know Mm -hmm. that that would feel like connection to me. So, so there's a conversation that we need to have. Oh my God. There's a super big conversation. Would you call this a meta conversation? (laughs) I would call it a meta conversation, (laughs) but, but by the way, it takes an observational mind. I mean, we keep coming back to this. Yeah. So often that will be, you're also talking about learning to embrace differences Mm -hmm. and that having a different perspective doesn't necessarily mean lack of safety. And you may code it that way, but that doesn't mean, I love the way, um, I can't remember who I heard say this first, probably one therapist, some, some therapist of mine, somewhere along the line, a therapist, probably a personal therapist of mine said at some point to me, Jules, feeling scared and being in danger are two different things. Double check it, mm. which was brilliant. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just because you're feeling scared does not mean the situation is right. dangerous. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Right. Right. But this is like, this would require a meta, this meta conversation would require a lot from both people at the table, because mm-hmm. what I would have to do is make observations of my own system about what it is that feels connected to me and then share with you that map without totally freaking out. Right, because that's vulnerable. Because that's pretty vulnerable. And what happens if we find out that it's super different? How are we going to navigate that? Right, and our ability to to be in that observing mind, for Mm -hmm. both of us to be in that and to notice, oh, we Mm -hmm. observe things differently. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Well, and what it's not even just observing things differently. It's actually experiencing the world differently. So here's something I'm putting into my teaching lately to help people understand what's happening. The, can I drop into heavy neuroscience for a second? Uh, Please. Okay. So your neocortex 
is made up of these columns of six neurons in a row. And so there's thousands and thousands and millions of columns, but each column only has six neurons. And this, what's called the axonal projections, but basically that just means who's talking to what, right? Where's the phone call coming from? The phone call to the bottom two is coming from the here and now feed. So what am I seeing? What am I looking at? What am I um, smelling? What am I, what's my gut doing? Like, how does my heart feel? All that's going to the Present bottom moment. two. Mm-hmm. Present moment. That's going to the bottom two. The top two are getting their phone call from history, from your implicit map. Every moment of every day. Those two feed their information. They phone the middle two. And the middle two pull that info together. And that is what you are actually experiencing. I am not kidding. There is no moment when your brain is looking at reality without the lens of history. And this is the work then of unblending kind of those binds, unblending the things that we, we're not, we're not totally unblending it. Right. But it's like noticing, no, I I get that. But it's like, really, (laughs) I might not be able to unblend it, but Mm -hmm. if I turn on enough of my observational self, Mm -hmm. then I can notice, oh, I don't tend to feel safe in these types of situations. Mm -hmm. Totally. Maybe that's a little bit of what I'm picking up on right now. Totally. You can, and I love the word unblending. And I think it's really about unblending. So the implicit mind is made up of these categories of thought because it's too complex to just have individual threads of information. That's not how it ends up getting organized. It ends up getting organized into like categories of knowing. And then the category of knowing is feeding all its data up the system to mm-hmm. the that neocortex. And then, so you're looking at the world and like how we're seeing each other right now. Like the reason I can make out a face is because my implicit mind knows what a face looks like. Otherwise you would be a blur of color and movement. Yeah. I'd see you like a baby first sees you, which is not with a face. (laughs) And so let's all actually celebrate that this is how our brains are built because the fact that this happens means I don't have to rediscover what a toilet is every day. And I don't have to rediscover grass and put it in my mouth and feel it and smell it and roll in it. I can just move on and design indoor plumbing. Thank God. I'm sitting here thinking my dog rediscovers this stuff all day, every day. Right. Well, they have a very different brain than we do. (laughs) So Luckily, we have enough of our energy freed up that we can do other things. So let's not knock this system. Right. Just know <clears throat> that the good side of the system is you do not have to rediscover gravity tomorrow. You already know shit on this planet falls down. Thank God. Thank That's why babies are obsessed with birds and planes, by the way. They break the rule. I know on this planet stuff falls. What the heck is that thing? <laughs> <laughs> and ceiling fans. Right. Totally yeah. amazing. Yeah. Why is it not falling on the ground? So weird. <laughs> right. So thank God <laughs> I'm cracking Vicky. Up. The way you just said that like shit falls. Like, I don't know what it was about that. <laughs> Gravity stuff falls down. 
It's oh, true. Gravity that, is real. It, it, is. it is. And you don't need to rediscover that. So let's celebrate right. this system actually, because for 99.9% .9 of the time it yeah. is serving you really well. You don't need right. to rediscover color or couches or edges. Thanks. Cool. But there is some stuff that you learned and have, and have put in categorical understandings that was really helpful then and totally true then and really helped you out then that is no longer true, but is still driving the way you see the world. Because mm -hmm. you're now in a different spot, right? And so it's really when you say unblending, where I go is, right, can we create a space between me and that old learning. So I can be really curious about where it came from, how it's trying to help me, how it does color how I see the world, how it means that I probably don't see my partner totally accurately. Hey. I see them with mm -hmm. my history colored glasses on. Can we can we just have some awareness about that? My history so that we colored can, glasses. My history colored glasses. So, you're, so what I've been starting That's to tell people sense. is my brain is walking around the world with history colored glasses on and it sees the world through that. Right. Yeah. So that's an interesting. What we're really answer. asking for people to do is to say, "Could you bring your history-colored glasses to the table? Take them off and take a look at them together, and find out what connection means to each of you." Because it's not just how you're labeling it; it's actually what you're experiencing as connection is different. Mm -hmm. I want to blow this up a little bit because I do think it. I think that one of the most important things for all people to know is that this observing ability that we're talking about right here is like the key to learning how to be in healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. Can you watch your own mind? Can you watch your own mind under various levels of stress? Right, it gets because what, as the, the, the gets more right, like this is where I go back to the whole thing: the hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Right, mm -hmm. when we're under different degrees of stress, our brains are going to be more easily cut off. We're not going to notice things that are happening around us. Mm -hmm. It's also though, for real, it's a practice, and the more you do it, the more it starts to. I don't want to say get easier, mm -hmm. but become more what second nature, natural. It's a muscle. You're building it. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it literally I, is getting built, actually. It, What's happening is you're growing myelin down the pathway. So myelin is like a fatty sheath around the axon. Basically, yeah. it just means electricity runs better. Okay, so wait, geek moment here. You yeah. know how muscle actually gets built though? It's from ruptures and repairs, ruptures right. and repairs. Like you have to tear the freaking muscles in order for them to get stronger. And how a brain unlearns is by tearing apart, basically. It's surprising. It's surprising a long-term potentiation pattern and putting in new information while it's open, right. while it's right. surprised, um, which is a little <clears throat> bit different than the tear of the muscle. Um, and when we're talking about this activity, this practice, what we're actually talking about is where electricity goes, myelin grows. So you're running electricity down that pathway on purpose and your, mm. your glial cells will catch up with that. And they're going to add myelin to the pathway. So they just, they just, that's their job is to, where's electricity going? I'll put myelin there. So just stopping yourself. And I don't know, do you have a practice Vicki? Or do you have like something you say to yourself or like, 
a certain well, time of day you watch your mind or no, I've gotten much better at it in the heat of the moment with Gabe. Like I, I'm Brilliant. starting. And so that's Tell why I everybody how. That. Because, well, so my little boundary, I get this image of my boundaries tools. There's gotta be something about the brain to this. Cause my image comes up literally on the right. Like I can see it in the air on the right side. So I think Brilliant. there must be something to that. Mm-hmm. And let's use this sarcasm as an example that used to like, it still does drive me bonkers. But I used to say in my head, he thinks he's being funny. He thinks he's being funny. But then there was this other voice going, but he's not, but he's not. So that didn't work. Mm-hmm. But now he'll say something and I literally see my tires come up. And I'm not even bothered by his sarcasm. If I can, if I can do it. And uh-huh. then my thought goes to, this is his journey, not mine. And the reason I mentioned today, what kind of practice this is, is because the more you do it, the easier it starts to get. And if you mm-hmm. never start doing it because it's too hard, you're never going to get good at it. So can I slow down what happens in your brain? Yes. Because this please. is a take home moment in order to observe your own mind what you have to do is have enough safety for your brain to stay integrated. So a brain's natural response to danger is to become unintegrated and a brain's natural response to safety is to become integrated. And what you do is you're doing a safety exercise by increasing your psychological boundary that makes you feel safer so your brain can stay hooked in and watch your own mind. So So it's like safety first. So am I safe within me or am I safe with him? Both. Say being safe within you makes you safer with him because you don't have to worry about him taking care of you. You're taking care of you. Oh, so that's all my work that I'm doing. It's all yes. your work that you're doing. This is brilliant. So, and, and I'm thinking about practices that I do. I mean, it's weird because I kind of spend all day watching my own mind. So this is a relatively mm-hmm. honed pathway for me just because, you know, I've spent a lot of time in the therapy chair or thinking about how to teach people this stuff or writing stuff down. So I spend a lot of time there, but I also spend quiet time and mm-hmm. I don't think of it as meditation in any kind of formal way, but just quiet and notice. Sometimes I'll even do a little exercise where I just label what's happening. So I might label what I'm noticing. Thought, feeling, Hmm. sensation, movement, sensation, feeling, bad thought, funny thought, (laughs) (laughs) right? So I may just have that kind of going in my head where I'm watching. So that can be a practice. And I usually spend at least five minutes a day doing that. Sometimes I can carve out a three or 30 or 40 minutes, but a lot of times for me, I have busy practice and kids, mm-hmm. I, I child, I don't have one. I only have the one. Sometimes she feels like, <laughs> no, she's only one kid and, and a husband and friends. Like I have, my life is very full and I'll at least spend up five minutes, but hopefully more like 20 or 30 even doing that exercise so that can help. Do you have one, Rebecca? I have a few different practices. Um, but lately, you know, like I'm, I'm in the midst of somatic learning ex- more and more mm-hmm. about somatic experiencing. So lately, a lot of my practices are these kind of settling and noticing what's happening in my body and mm-hmm. sitting with the kind of the, the pieces of what we call cybam. So the sensation, mm-hmm. the image, the behavior, the affect, the meaning, just kind of noticing all that within myself, mm-hmm. um, as I settle in and, and I, you know, also have other practices. So things like kind of putting on a song and dancing to it and just kind of feeling into my body or moving mm-hmm. my body in other ways. Right. 
Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of different, and then when I'm going to sleep at night, there's like a whole practice that I have around like how my body settles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's different degrees of practices, but they don't all have to like even feel so much like practices. Right. Some, sometimes right. they're so little, like they're, they're yeah. moments. They're moments. And that's the beauty of it. You can do a moment. So I know we're, we're running you guys long. I think we're 22 minutes in already, but we cannot leave this conversation yet because we have not talked about relational joy. Yeah. And I think that's what we're actually meaning. So what is it when we, when we say connecting? What is it that we're actually looking for? I well, think it's relational it. yeah. joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it may not even be like when I have this conversation where I dare to rock the boat with my partner, maybe it's not a conversation about what looks like connected to you and what looks like connected to me, but maybe it's a conversation where we're saying, how are we co-creating relational joy? What would that look like for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, like really, what does that feel like for you? Do you even know what I say? I mean, when I say right. that, cause that's what I'm thinking. Like who at home talks like that? I oh, do. We do. <laughs> I do. I do. But I'm weird, <laughs> but I'm a therapist. It's super annoying to my husband. I bet. Mine um, too. I do. I do. I have, I don't think, I, don't think I do use that. Do, though. No, but let's talk about what we mean. Right. Yeah. So what's a relational joy moment? I think every one of us knows what that feels like though. It's like mm-hmm. a moment of, of awe, right? Like, like when I say all, oh, like what the feeling that comes up in my body is like a, it's like an effervescent, like, ah, oh. yeah. It's like um, delight. It's, bliss. it's delight, bliss. bliss. Yeah. And, and married to a feeling of like, I'm not alone. We're in yeah. this together. We're in this together. And yeah. usually it would happen at a moment when there wasn't a lot of agenda necessarily, it wasn't yeah. coming on the heels of something you accomplished with somebody. I mean, you can have like that accomplishment joy where you finished a cool project yeah. and you succeeded. My you get to the and summit of a great hike. Totally. We just painted yeah. a bedroom wall and we're like, yeah, high five. That's a different, and it's relational joy because we're sharing that love and that moment of achievement, right? But we're not I'm not talking about that as much when I'm talking about this, though that could certainly be part of it. But it's like, I don't know, like watching my kiddo run all PJ'd and smelling like soap into kiss daddy goodnight. And I hear it happening and I can feel me pulling my tired butt up off of the couch because I know it's time for cuddles and tuck in. And there's just this like, (sighs) the deep breath home. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I get that feeling something like, I mean, I totally have those moments too. And then like when my husband and I go like on a, on a paddling trip and we're just mm-hmm. out in the middle of the water somewhere and I turn out, turn around and I just look at the sky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like we're here We're this, this is, you know, like those moments. Totally. Those moments when I realize it's true that my husband looks a little bit like George <laughs> He does. You're right. Does. <laughs> I'm like, I look at him outside now. I'm like, damn, you're hot. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually cuter than George Clooney. I'm not kidding. Um, so, so like those kind of moments where you like remember love, but spontaneously, like it comes from the bottom. Up. Yeah. So what creates those moments for you? What feels like that for you? Can you rock the boat enough to bring it up and say to your partner? Like, I want more of that. 
How are we going to make it? I like that quote. I want more of that. How are we going to make it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, how are you going to make it happen for me? It's not, <laughs> how am I going to make it happen for you? It's how are we going to make it happen? And one of the big, big things that I think is really important about to, how do we get there is mm-hmm. by marking it when it does happen, cherishing those moments and saying, oh, sweetie, this is one of those moments. I love this. Can we do, I want more of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That feels like a pretty decent place to <laughs> land today. Yeah. Yeah. Some more relational joy, y'all. Yep. Take care of each other best you can. Bye-bye. That wraps up this week's episode. Join us again next week for another Why Does My Partner? We hope that you continue to listen wherever you get your audio and that you'll follow the show. To go deeper, join us at our boot camp. You'll find the next date at whydoesmypartner.com. Did you know you could ask us your question? Your questions are relational gold. Go to whydoesmypartner.com to either write in or record your question for a future episode. We want to tell you more about our sponsor, Therapy Wisdom. Jules is one of their amazing educators, and you can also find teachers like Janina Fisher, Bessel van der Kolk, Deidre Fay, and Akila Riley Richardson, plus a bunch of people you might not have heard of, but will definitely want to start following once you take their courses. And because you listen to us, the Therapy Wisdom team is offering a secret code to give you free access to one of my one-hour wise conversations. Use the code WDMP at checkout. If you're a licensed therapist, coach, healer, or someone who's invested in doing the deep work of personal healing and want to learn about topics like neurobiology, supporting trauma healing, incorporating intersectionality and somatic work, then this is the place for you. Discover some of the most heart-led and quality courses available in a community of people who are invested in spiritual growth, equity, inclusion, and developing expert-level clinical skill. Visit therapywisdom.com or click the link in the show notes and use the WDMP discount code. Thanks, Therapy Wisdom. We love you.